Thanks for downloading this week's Game Day Radio podcast. Today, Bevo and I discuss all the action in both the AFL and NRL finals, the latest in the NFL and Aussie basketball with the NBL season coming up, plus loads of football news as well. Tell a friend to tell a friend and enjoy. You're listening to Game Day Radio, only on Unicast. Hello and welcome to Game Day Radio for another week. You're listening on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Thanks for listening through the Unicast app or via the free, yes, that's right, completely free Unicast app. My name is Andrew Cousin and you can reach me with feedback and song requests via Twitter. That's at Cousin91, at C-U-S-S-E-N-91. You can also follow Unicast on Twitter and Instagram. We are at SAUnicast on both of those platforms. And you can also find us on Facebook. So go to facebook.com slash Unicast Radio. Bevo, how are you today, mate? G'day, mate. Good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Another big weekend of sport. Oh, absolutely huge. So much sport to talk about today, Andy. Looking forward to it, mate. All right, so why don't we start with the uh, AFL action? Yes, well, on Friday night in front of a massive crowd of 70,879 people, Hawthorne returned to their premiership winning best and sent an ominous sign to the remaining final contenders giving Adelaide a lesson on how to play finals footy. Winning from start to finish, the Hawks ran out victors there, 21 goals, 9, 135, to Adelaide, 8 goals, 13, 61. Bit of a flog in there. Did you see the game, Andy? Yeah, I did. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a pretty spectacle. Uh, we, we talked last week about how maybe the uh, the emotional rollercoaster that the Crows have been on this year might help them, but I, do you think there's a chance that it hurt them, that they've kind of ran their race last week and then that they were kind of just out out of uh, petrol really yeah that's how that's exactly how I felt as well I thought they sort of played their their final last week against mm. almost like the grand final last week against the Bulldogs and you know such a, a courageous victory last week and you got to look at what they've been through this year and it's an amazing effort to sort mm. of get as far as they did so full credit to them of course it's disappointing and no doubt they're disappointed with their efforts on Friday night but you have to sort of give credit where credit's due so I think the Hawks they were just back to their premiership winning best and I think a lot of people, sort of, maybe Crow supporters more than Hawk supporters, thought they were a good chance to, to knock off the Hawks there without mm. Jack Gunston. But Hawthorne just was superb, and you, you can never write off a, a quality, you know, back to back Premiership winning side. And it's going to be a crack against Freo this week. Yeah, yeah, certainly will be. Um, it, it was interesting. You look at the you look at the stats, and it's sort of a ten percent uh, difference in you know effective disposals. And do you think that's where it was, or was it, or was it, was it more than that? Was it more wanting to win I mean obviously you can't say that the Crows didn't want to win but uh, as we are saying they might be pretty gassed by this point in the season yeah I think the, the start of the game Hawthorne just were just all over him that first quarter and, and that sort of set it up and I don't think Adelaide sort of could really come back from there and mm. and once the Hawks get off to a good start they're a very tough team to, to defeat from there so and I actually was very surprised. I thought without Jack Gunson, the, the Crows were a sneaky chance. But yeah, Hawks are just superb and had you know Luke Bruce step up. And it just proves that even if you lose, you lose one of your best players in Jack Gunson, they've just got so many other contributors that can step up. And 
I mean, it's full credit to the Hawks. So yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's interesting the way you talk about how they kind of blew them away in the first quarter, in the first half. Whereas last week we were talking about how a lot of sides it seemed to they wanted to stay in it for three quarters and then sort of just hang on and then mount a final charge. I mean, and then Hawthorne have kind of taken the opposite uh, game plan to that and said let's blow them away and make it really a no contest for the final half and then just kind of coast from there. So Absolutely. it was an interesting tactic from them. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, so. Well, anyway, as I mentioned previously, in the absence of gun forward Jack Gunston, Luke Bruce was superb for the Hawks. He kicked a career-best six goals. And also Luke Hodge, where he was back to his best after a quiet one last week against West Coast with four goals of his own and 29 possessions. In an ominous sign for things to come in the next couple of games, or potentially the grand final if they make it as well. Sam Mitchell was continued his outstanding season with 33 possessions. And James Frawley had one of his best games as a Hawk in defence. For the Crows, Paddy Dangerfield was clearly their best player. He tried hard all night, kicked one of the goals of the season from the boundary line in the first quarter. That was amazing. And he racked up 29 possessions and 10 clearances, so he tried hard all night. And Josh Jenkins tried up forward as well with three goals of his own. But Eddie Betts and Taylor Walker were a shadow of their, their best from last week. So, mm. And Rory Laird tried really hard as well in defence for the Crows. Uh, Rory Laird, I should say. Um, <laughs> Rory Laird's a centrals coach. <laughs> Rory Laird was excellent for the Crows across halfback with 29 possessions and and he's a real, mm. a really good chance to win their club champion award this year, I think. So, yeah, and as we mentioned, although, although the loss was a bit disappointing for the Crows, you have to give them credit for the way they bounced back after, you know, the terrible passing of, of Phil Walsh during the year. Mm. A, lot of, a lot of people thought they were just going to, you know, go downhill from there and stuff but it's been almost completely opposite so full credit to them for that yeah absolutely it's been um fantastic to see the way that they've dealt with such a sort of harrowing tragedy and then um used it to spur them on and, and to make it to the finals because of course we couldn't forget you know it could have been so easy for their season to fall apart and you know i think they've um they've done really well to get to where they've gotten to and, and to win a final as well which is which is certainly not a bad achievement as the away side finishing in seventh so um absolutely it's interesting, we talked last week about how, um, you know, I guess the listeners can decide if it's interesting or not what we talked about last week, but we talked about, uh, you know, the value of kicking straight and sort of it's a it's a simple game, but it's also such a complicated game. And uh, for Hawthorne, it was 21 goals, 9. Yeah. And then for uh, the Crows, it was 8 goals, 13. And I mean, you know, not to say that the Crows would have won if Hawthorne had been a bit uh, worse in front of goal, but it could have been a lot closer. And yeah. as you were saying, they sort of blown them away if they hadn't kicked straight so early on, then it could, they could have stayed in the game, the Crows. Yeah, absolutely. They certainly did have their chances there in front of goal. But yeah, I think just Hawthorne were just too strong, too much experience and and sets up a, a massive game in Perth this Friday against Freo. Really looking forward to that one. Yeah, it certainly yourself. does. Yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be uh, fantastic. I think uh, obviously, you know, you've got a grand final spot on the line. You've got it in Perth and uh, the, the fans over there are going to be going crazy. So it should be a really good atmosphere and hoping for a, a closer game than this one was. But you never know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I think it should be really good. Yeah, looking forward to that one. So. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll take a break. You're listening to Unicast. Uh, this is Game Day Radio, and stay tuned. Game Day Radio on Unicast. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. You can listen via the Unicast website or via the completely free Unicast app. Bevo, more AFL action. Yes, well, on Saturday night, mate, the Kangaroos ended Sydney's season 
and the outstanding career of superstars one Adam Goods rounding out victors 11 goals 11 77 to Sydney 7 goals 9 51 for the Roos Jared Waite he continued his good form up forward with three goals and Sam Gibson kicked two the Kangaroo, Kangaroos were led brilliantly by midfield stars Ben Cunnington Sean Higgins and Nick Dow Santo and they were just too good for an undermanned Sydney Swans team when you're missing stars like Parker Franklin Sam Reid uh, Kieran Jack that's some, some four yeah. pretty Damn good players there, so you sort of had to feel sorry for the Swannies, and mm. and they're they're right for the taking, I think, after their their trip from Perth last week. And for the Swannies, Adam Goods tried his heart out with 18 possessions, 10 marks, and two goals in his final game. And Kurt Tippett continued his good recent form with 10 marks and two goals. What was your thoughts on the game, Andy? Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I don't I don't know if the Swans were four players away. Obviously, you know, it would have really helped to have those four guys back, but it seemed like they were just one or two players away. It was, there was a lot of times where they were sort of, you know, three, four, ten points behind, and it was just if they could just get that little bit more momentum going their direction, they could have won it, and they could have taken control at that point. And obviously, you look at the score, and it's 26 points, and you go, okay, that's, you know, it's not a flogging, but it's fairly comfortable. But um, it really wasn't until the final sort of 10, 15 minutes of the game. And, um, you know, I thought at halftime, and then again at three-quarter time, that if the Swans kind of turned it around and had a, uh, got a bit more momentum going, as I was saying, they, they could have taken it. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they, they sort of had those guys. Obviously, mm. Buddy Franklin's one of the competition stars, so yeah. any, any side that loses him, is it's a big loss. And yeah, I mean, it goes without saying, like, that'd obviously be a lot better if he was there. Yeah, most definitely. So, But once again, like, you have to sort of give credit to Sydney. Mm. The last couple of weeks, they've... Um, you know they've been undermanned quite a bit, but they've they've tried hard in both games and haven't haven't been really you know defeated by that much in the last couple of weeks. So and like I said, they've they've been in both games, have had their chances. So John Lyon might obviously be disappointed, but you can't sort of worry too too much and you can look forward to next season with all those stars to come back. So mm. yeah, I think Sydney will be right up there again. But we must pay credit, credit must pay credit to Adam Goodso. Yeah, after an incredible career. I mean, three hundred and seventy four games, two premierships, and two Brownlow medals doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it's. I mean, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So and. Personally, I just really hope he's remembered for his footy rather than sort of all the issues that have sort of yeah. happened this year and over the last few years. Yeah. But I think he's absolute superstar and what he's done for the Indigenous community as well. Like, mm. you have to admire the guy. And personally, like, I think all the, the booing and everything was really unfair. Everyone else has their own opinion. But yeah. let's hope that, yeah, he can be remembered for the good things rather than the bad things. So what what's your thoughts on... Oh, I completely agree. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I, don't, I don't think he should have been booed for a second. Um, but you know that's it's another issue for another day. Maybe I've said stuff about that on on game day radio before, and it's just it's a bit ridiculous. But um, yeah, as you're saying, he's a fantastic footy player. You know, he's been the best player in the competition twice. He's won the competition twice. He's played close to 400 games. It's you know it's an amazing career that he's had. So it's um and he's really sort of. He's done a, a great deal for the Indigenous community, as you're saying, but I think also for the Sydney community and bringing... This may sound a bit strange, but I don't know if there'd be a second team in Sydney without Adam, Adam Goods. Yeah, that's a very good point. I don't know if the AFL market would be big enough for the AFL to look at Sydney and go, OK, there's enough of an interest. Obviously, there's still the population there, but AFL has grown massively in Sydney through the last 10 to 15 years, and that's why he's been there. So Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, most definitely. Couldn't agree with you more. What he does and, to the AFL is mm, just amazing. And, and he's been yeah. one of the faces of that Sydney team who's been winning, you know, those two premierships. Yeah, that's um, right. During that time and growing that interest. Exactly right. Yeah. Now, let's hope that hopefully he still stays in the game in some way or other. So, I mean, just from you can just tell that he'd be a fantastic assistant coach whether yeah. it be at Sydney or another club. So, yeah, let's hope that he can put all the everything that's happened, all setbacks behind him this year and, and mm. still stay in the game because it'd be a shame to, to lose him from the game altogether. So. Yeah, I think he's a, a really intelligent individual. I could see him doing a lot of things, whether it's in or outside of football. So uh, I'm sure he'll have plenty of opportunities to uh, pursue a, a range of interests. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So it just recapping those, or this week's games anyway. So mm. on Friday night, the Hawks will take on Frio in Perth. And on Saturday afternoon, or late Saturday afternoon, West Coast will take on the Kangaroos in what promises to be another cracking game. So, yeah, 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 they're going to be great. So let's get your pick for Frio and Hawthorne. Jesus. I thought last week <laughs> Put you on the spot there. <laughs> I, did get, I did get last week's right, though. I did say the Kangaroos and yep. the Hawks. So, yeah, well um, done. This week I'll go for... I got both wrong, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's all good, mate. I won't rub it in. Uh, so I think... I'm hoping it's going to be a, an old derby game final, and I'm actually going to go that. I'm going to go for West Coast and Freo this week. I think that would be mm. amazing to see. The Victorians would hate it, but it would be so yeah. good to see Freo <laughs> West Coast grand final. Mm. Bit of biffo and back to the old days of uh, yeah. the old finals. So, yeah, we'll see how we go. What about you? I I think the same to be rather boring. Yeah, I think Freo and uh, West Coast will both get up. I think they're two of – I mean, it's debatable whether Hawthorne are the second or third best team in the comp, but I think I'm um, – you know, the West Coast outclassed them last weekend. So it's, um, I think that that's sort of been put to bed. And I think um, the Hawthorne haven't quite got enough to beat Frio. So I think it's going to be Frio West Coast in the final. Yeah, most definitely. I think, um, I mean, do you think, which game do you see being closer? Do you see a blowout in either game? I think both games will be really close because mm. Kangaroos are coming off some good form recently. Although they have been sort of, I remember a few years ago, they did get belted by about 90 points <laughs> against West Coast. But I, I think it'll be a lot closer this time mm. around. They've got a much different side. Having sort of Jared Waite and, and Higgins has yep. made a big difference for them this year. So I think both games will be less than five goals. So, But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really interested as well to see whether whether Ross Lyon brings back Crowley as well for mm. as, a, as a tagger for maybe Sam Mitchell or something like that. There's been a bit of talk about whether he just comes from the clouds and <laughs> hasn't played all year, but, you know, he's, yeah. he's a proven performer in finals. So what's your thoughts? Do you think Ross Lyon might bring Crowley in or yeah it's, an, it's a really interesting one you've got a player like that who can shut someone down and it's, that's so valuable in a final to you know basically take a chess piece away from the opposition but then it's what does that do to the to the team and you've obviously got a player who's going to miss out and you know get less game time and then you've got one who's going to drop completely from the bench and miss out altogether so what does that do to the the uh, team harmony I think it's a really interesting balancing act it's it might be one where he goes kind of a halfway house and has him there on the bench maybe and maybe yeah. uses him a little bit in, in in periods to kind of try and regather some momentum yeah that's true that could be a possibility so yeah it'd be very interesting to see mm. so I, th- I yeah. think at this stage it might be more about you know keeping that that team sort of family atmosphere together than you know getting o- overtly tactical it might be about just you know this is us and we're against the world and, you know, let's go out and do it rather than trying to get overtly tactical and messing around with what, uh, what yeah. is a really good group there that they've got. Yeah, stick with the winning formula that mm. got them over Sydney the other week. And yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty pretty fair statement there, mate. So, mm. But, yeah, time will tell, obviously, this week what will happen <laughs> there. So, <laughs> Certainly will. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. Stay tuned.
You're listening to Game Day Radio, only on Unicast. Time to recap the NRL Finals action now, and it was two fairly comfortable wins for the Roosters and Cowboys. On Friday night, the Roosters ran out 38-12 winners over the Bulldogs after a fairly tight first half with Roosters centre Sean Kenny Dow scoring a hat-trick. And the Cowboys crushed the Sharks 39-0, much to my disappointment, on Saturday night where Queensland, uh, where North Queensland 5-8, Michael Morgan scored a double. And so that means our preliminary finals lineup looks like this. On Friday night, the Brisbane Broncos host the Roosters at Suncorp Stadium. And on Saturday night, the Melbourne Storm face the Cowboys at Amy Park. The winners of those two matches will face each other in the grand final on Sunday, the 4th of October at ANZ Stadium. So, Bevo, what did you make of the uh, NRL finals action this weekend? Yeah, a couple of one-sided results compared to last week's. You know, there's a couple of close ones last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah, A lot lot more (laughs) one-sided. Yeah, very much so. I was a bit surprised about both results in terms of... I sort of expected Sydney and the Cowboys to win. I think I said that last yeah. week, but yeah, I wasn't expecting them to be so one-sided. But it's gonna, yeah, it's gonna be very interesting this week. Um, I'm actually tipping an all Queensland grand final, so yeah. I'm, I'm. It's gonna, yeah. I think Broncos will beat the Roosters at Suncorp because Broncos have been one of the best teams all year, mm. and I think, I reckon the Cowboys can cause an upset over the Storm, and it's gonna. That's my thoughts anyway. Like, yeah. it'd be good to see two. Like two Queensland teams in the grand final to be a bit of a Queensland fan. So, yeah. yeah but what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, I'm definitely with you on the Broncos. I think, um, you know, the, the Storm are coming off a, a really big victory. It's 26 points. But I, I don't know if they've got what it takes to beat the Broncos. I think the Broncos are in really good form. And they're just, uh, you know, at Suncorp. It'll be be a, a state of origin type atmosphere. And they'll be uh, back to the hilt by their fans. And so I think that'll get them over the line. And I could see them winning that one. Um, as far as the other game, Melbourne and uh, North Queensland, I've got no idea who's going to win that. I think it, it could be 30 points either way or it could be one point either way. It, it's I, I really just can't call it at this stage. I mean, you've probably got to favour the home side, the side who's won in the, uh, in the uh, qualifying final to get to the prelim and have the week off. They're a bit fresher, they're a bit fitter. Um, but then the Cowboys have just smacked someone by nearly 40 points. So, yeah, yeah they're, they're full of confidence as well and they've got, you know... You can never really bet against a team with Jonathan Thurston at halfback. He got three try assists this weekend. So if he produces another performance like that, then they're certainly, certainly in with a shout. Yeah, do you think he's a, a real favourite for the Dahlia medal this year? It's so hard to say because, I mean, it really... I think two of us has checked him with a shout from the Roosters as well at, at fullback there just for his exploits this season. But um, it's it's always hard to bet against Thurston. He's, you know... It, it's also with the Cowboys side that there's not a whole lot of flair outside of him in the outside backs. And so I think he does get a lot of points as well, um, which, you know, he deserves because he's clearly one of the best players and he's probably their best player on their team pretty much every week. So I think he, um, he'll he pick up a lot of points. And, yeah, I, I couldn't see him finishing outside of the top three, put it that way. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who does uh, win the Dalian medal. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to that one. So mm. it'll be interesting to see this week Thurston's up against... Um his mates from the Queensland State of Origin, Cam Smith and Bill yeah. Slater, and 
Both yeah, boys, so. yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. But um, I mean, they they've played against each other before, and I'm sure they they enjoy it quite a lot. And uh, getting a hit on your mates is always a bit of good fun. So um, yeah, I, I'm sure it'll be a good game, and I'm sure they'll they'll have a, a game plan for Thurston, just like I'm sure the Cowboys will have a game plan in place for Smith and Slater. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that works out and who sort of uh, handles each other better, really. Because we we're talking about tactics before and tagging people, and there might be some sort of. Uh, uh, some sort of uh, a strategy like that from either side. There might be uh, someone who's designated to sort of you know hit Thurston on every play where he kicks. Maybe and uh, you know maybe they just get their, their one of their fastest blokes, maybe one of their centres outside to uh, to hit him on every play because he was getting hit quite a lot last week and the week before when he was kicking and didn't seem to enjoy it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe I mean you know maybe that's the tactic you've got to take. Yeah, he's such a champion that I'm sure he's just so used to it now. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, it'll be interesting. So, mm. yeah, looking forward to, to two pretty good games there. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, it's um disappointing for me as a Sharks fan. Yeah, I've got what, to say. what happened to your Sharks, mate? Oh, well, I mean, we were there in, in in body. I'm not sure we were there in, in mind. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we didn't play very well. There was no go forward. There was nothing. There was no spark from the outside backs. It's really strange. We made the same amount of handling errors as the Cowboys, but then there was... It's so hard in league. Once once you're a few points down and once you've had a bit less possession, it just starts to wear on you. And then, you know, the Cowboys force some repeat sets with a good kicking game and a good passing game. And then before you know it, you know, you've made twice as many tackles and, you know, the Cowboys had 61% of possession. And, you know, it might not seem like it's that much more than 50, but it's, you know, it's, it's 20% more than the Sharks had, obviously. And it's it's a it's a massive difference in league because you know you're making so many tackles and you're getting worn down as a defense so much so uh it's interesting um to see how it kind of all unraveled and i think um i think the cowboys learnt from their uh mistake last time when we, when we overturned the 18 point deficit up there in north queensland before where they are uh, they didn't kick the field goal before half time this time they did just to make it a, a four score buffer so that we had to score four times to come back and it's just that psychological edge of oh geez they basically scored another try there and uh, yeah, that I think that certainly weighed on the on the minds of the players at halftime, and it probably felt a bit like it was get, it was over already at halftime, which realistically it probably was. Um, and then yeah, they came out in the second half, and they just sort of continued what they were doing. And um, yeah, it's it's tough to say uh, exactly what went wrong. I think, but you know, it, it wasn't a great performance. But you know, the Sharks were last place last year. They've come a, a long, long way, and um, you know with a, a bounce of the ball and maybe a little bit better result here or there through the um, regular season, they could have finished top four and who knows where it could have gone from there. But, um, you know, I was really happy the way we played last week against the against South. So, you know, you, you take these and you kind of move on and you've got James Maloney coming from the Roosters next season, which will hopefully improve the uh, improve the play from the back line. They'll get a bit better service. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next year, I guess. Absolutely, that's a very good pickup. So, mm. I guess it's sort of similar in a way to the Adelaide Crows as well. Like in that, you know, Cronulla beat the Rabbitohs last week in a surprise, and yeah. Adelaide beat, beating the Western Bulldogs, both sort of fairy tale sort of seasons. I mm. guess you look at it in terms of what they've both been through. Yeah, you know, like you said, Cronulla having a tough one last year, and then the Crows with with their their coach passing. So mm. similarities, isn't there? Even though yeah, there certainly codes, is. But yeah, there's a lot of similarity there. So yeah, you sort of have and, to look uh, forward. Yeah. And obviously, we're not equating at all what the Crows have gone through to what the Sharks have gone through purely in terms of, you know, the the emotional toll. But of course, it's just, yeah, I think you're making the comparison there of, you know, coming from last to finish uh, sixth is a pretty 
damn good achievement when there wasn't that much roster turnover as well. Obviously, there exactly. was the Asada situation that's been hanging over the Sharks, but they seem to have sort of moved on from that and kind of uh, they're, they're uh, going uphill, at least at the moment, I think. That's right. <laughs> and sort of Adelaide went, didn't make the eight last year, mm. so they sort of had a really good year yeah. in terms of... Yeah, turning their season yeah. around from the previous years. So and both had a both had a better season than their rivals. The uh, Dragons didn't do too well. They uh, they were lucky to make the eight, and then yeah. uh, Port didn't. So uh, yeah. Yeah, my team. <laughs> yeah, thanks for that, mate. <laughs> rubbing that one in. You've but... been rubbing it for five minutes. I had to get one back. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> uh, you're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Game Day Radio, Sports Talk Radio on Unicast. Okay, you're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast and FFA Cup action returns this week with two games taking place tomorrow night. That's Tuesday night, if you're listening to the podcast, by the way. Last year's winners, Adelaide United, will face the defending A-League champions, Melbourne Victory in Melbourne at Amy Park. And the other game tomorrow night is also going to play ta- take place in Victoria with an all-NPL clash as Hume City host Oakley Cannons. Uh, of course, Hume advanced with a win over Sydney Olympic last round while Oakley defeated Metro Stars here in Adelaide. And both games kick off at 7.30pm Eastern. So Bevo, huge matchup with the uh, defending A-League champions against the defending FFA Cup champions. How do you see that one going? That's going to be an absolute cracker. I can't wait. Regardless of whether they're playing the FFA Cup or mm. the A-League, they're always you know cracking games between Melbourne and Adelaide with that rivalry they have. So Yeah, there's certainly plenty of hate there. Yeah, absolutely. So it's hard to say, really. Yeah, I think Melbourne perhaps might just take the chocolates because it's in, in Melbourne. Mm. If it was in Adelaide, I think it might be a different story. But yeah, yeah I think it's going to be a close, close game anyway. So maybe like a 2-1 mm. victory win, perhaps. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, I tend to agree, obviously. Throughout the entire competition last year, Adelaide played only um, A-League opponents. Um, but, you know, this year they played in Darwin and had a fairly comfortable win in the first round. You know, Victory had a very comfortable win in the uh, first round against Balmain. But then Victory were almost undone by um, Rockdale City last round. So there was a little bit of weakness there defensively. But um, I think it depends on how strong the, the two lineups are. I get the sense that it might be sort of 70, 80, 90%. It won't be 100% of a first team. So there might be one or two players left out by either side just because, you know, you've got the A-League season coming up. Both have got Asian Champions League campaigns that uh, kick off early next year as well. So there's, uh, you know, you don't want to get too many serious injuries at this at this stage of the season. And um, Adelaide have played an A-League opponent again already in uh, beating Sydney 2-1 last round in extra time so they seem to be developing a uh, habit for uh, knockout football and um, yeah I mean do you do you think that uh, Adelaide can cause an upset because it would be an upset with uh, Victory's very strong squad yeah you just never know with soccer it's such a such an interesting one it's just I guess a, a team that that plays better on the days without sounding like I'm a cliche <laughs> it's especially with the FFA mm, Cup as well we yeah. know Adelaide coming off at winning the FFA Cup last year, so they'll be determined to go back-to-back. Back. So mm. a lot depends on, on the squads, like you said before, whether Adelaide go with a 100% like normal squad or whether they're missing a couple of key players and they, they rest players and go for more of a younger team. Yeah. So that would be interesting to see. I still I still think Melbourne, just mm. just purely because of the fact they won the, the A-League Championship last year and 
they're just over in, they're very hard to beat over there. They so are, especially for Adelaide. Adelaide haven't got a good record in Melbourne. So. That's right. Mm. Yeah. If it was at, definitely at Highmarsh or Cooper Stadium, I'd say Adelaide would be yeah. probably the favourites. But just because it's in Melbourne, I'd say Melbourne victory. Yeah. With <laughs> Obviously, I'm hoping my <laughs> beloved Adelaide United win. But yeah. Yeah, that's the gut feel there, mate. So Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I can't disagree too much. And then it's tough to call human Oakley. I, obviously, you talk about, you know, it's... Things can go either way in knockout football, and you saw that with uh, with Oakley's win uh, last round, where uh, Dan Godley has been a, a veteran for Metro Stars, came out and made a bit of a mistake on the uh, AstroTurf pitch, and uh, ball bounced over his head, and uh, the Oakley striker gets an open goal and puts him through to the next round, and then Hume beat Sydney Olympic at home. So it's going to be interesting to see how those two teams go against each other. Oakley had a fairly disappointing season this year in Victoria, so. It's going to be really tough to call that one. I think that might be the more exciting of the two, actually, in terms of late drama, possibly the possibility of extra time and penalties. So I think that one could go could go the distance to penalties. Yeah, I tend to agree with you there. So, mm. yeah, both sides evenly matched and, and coming off sort of similar campaigns. So yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes. Um, so I'll get your tip for uh, you, you think victory? Yeah, I think victory. Yeah. And I think Hume as well. So what Hume? about yourself? Oh, I'm going to go victory and Oakley, okay. the upset. So, yeah. Yeah. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. Do not go anywhere. This is Game Day. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. And Bever, it's time to talk a little bit of basketball now. Yes, mate. Well, the NBL season starting in a couple of weeks. I thought we'd give some news in what's happening with the NBL. NBL. And in big news, the Brisbane Bullets, they're actually going to come back into the NBL. They're back, Bevo. They're yes. back. Not this season, the season after, so 2016-17. Mm-hmm. And what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's great. I'm all about uh, competitions doing the best that they can and um, you know teams being representative of fan bases. And Brisbane's always sort of been... Uh, into their basketball and and so it's good good to see them back and good to see uh good to see that you know basketball in Australia is growing and you know certainly not on the decline absolutely it was it was looking a little bit tough a couple of years ago when mm. there was talk of getting rid of the NBA altogether which would be a total shame so because you know it's, it starts from the grassroots up mm. to get these excellent players in, in from Australia into the into the NBA it needs to start from the NBL so you know it's a great competition and yeah, be good to see it grow as, as you know with teams like the Bullets coming in and you know winning six championships over their time. So they're a successful team and hopefully make the competition even stronger. Yeah, yeah, it certainly should do, and uh, hopefully, as you're saying, it makes the makes the competition better as well. I mean, you've got more variety, and that's one one thing we've seen, I guess, in the A League. You know, you've got uh, so so many players for so many teams, but they're um, you know everyone kind of knows each other, and familiarity kind of it breeds contempt, but it also breeds a, a little bit of boredom from time to time. And so it's always good to have a fresh face in a competition. And I think uh, you know even if they're a fresh old face, I guess in the uh, form of the Bullets, but it'll be good to have them back. Absolutely. And how's this for for big news? Corey mm. Webster from from the New Zealand Breakers, last year's champion, he's actually going to have a crack at the NBA with the New Orleans Pelicans. So pretty yeah. exciting news for him. Yeah, that's that's brilliant. Yeah, it's fantastic news. Yeah, so he's a he's a Kiwi. He's he he's part of the Tall Blacks team. So hopefully he can sort of have some success there, the same as the Aussie guys like Della Vadova and and Andrew Bogut and Paddy Mills have done with Australia in sort of the past couple of years. So 
let's hope he does well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Of course, not, you wish him uh, nothing but the best over there. It'd be great to see him uh, do well. Exactly. And I guess it comes back to what you were saying before as well. Seeing some of these guys that sort of start off playing, or obviously not necessarily Bogut, but some of the other guys like Paddy Mills, guys that have played in the NBL that go on and play in the mm. NBA, it just proves that having competitions like the NBL is really important. And, and you know, to get players to have that sort of experience playing in the NBL to then go and play in the NBA. Yeah. It just proves how important it is, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do. It's um it really can be a good breeding ground for uh for talent and to give them that sort of grounding in uh professionalism for players who, you know, don't have the the opportunity to go to college in the NBA where it's, you know, uh to go to college in America, I should say, where it's um you know, arguably more professional than the NBL, but uh, certainly gives them that that feel of what professionalism is and how to act and things that just just help them acclimatise that little bit better to the uh, NBA and life in America. Absolutely. So, and some more NBL news. Melbourne United have had a bit of a blow, so they've lost their import, Kenny Abekwe, on compassionate terms. So. Him and his partner are expecting their first child, which is great news for him, but unfortunate news for Melbourne United there. So Yeah, big big loss for them, but um yeah, you know, family's always got to come first, I guess. Exactly right. So I'm sure they'll get a good replacement there. Mm. And the Adelaide thirty six is good news for Adelaide thirty sixes fans. They've filled their first import spot with talented shooting guard Kenyon McNeil. He was born in Memphis, he's twenty four years old, and he's played college basketball with Louisiana Tech Bulldogs, where he averaged eleven points per game and shot a team high forty percent from beyond the arc, which is pretty damn good. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, so and he was named the best sixth man in his conference in his final year, so I think he'll go right in the NBL. What's your thoughts? Yeah, sounds like he might uh, might be going from downtown in Adelaide, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, Adelaide coach Joe Wright said he's a natural shooter. He'll give us a real threat from outside the arc mm. and he can carry the ball as well. And hopefully that will sort of give the T6s the extra sort of gun player they need to make the next step up to maybe play in the grand final again this year like they did the previous year to the one that's been. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you, do you think that's the... Uh that's sort of the bare minimum is a, a solid finals run for them? Yeah, I think they've got, they've definitely got the squad. They've mm. also got Ebi Arak coming in as well, who's an excellent player, previously NBL ex- experience there. And, yep. and they've got some really good good players in Daniel Johnson and, you know, Boomer's star Adam Gibson as well. Mm. So it's going to be interesting. Looking forward to the NBL season starting in a few weeks' time. So Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Um, great to see basketball back on in Australia and, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, before we know it, the uh, Brisbane Bullets will be back in as well. Exactly right. So, and it'll be, who's your tip for the, the championship? Do you think New Zealand can go back to back again? Why not? It's hard, it's hard to look past a, a defending champion when you, um, you know, obviously you talk about they've had they've had a, a few losses, but, you know, they've still got that sort of championship mentality and, and belief in the in themselves. So, I, um, you know, I certainly think they'll be there or thereabouts. Yeah, it'll be interesting to say. You're looking forward to it, mate. So, mm. so what yeah. about you? You're going with the 36ers? I'm hoping the 36ers will be out there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, a couple of seasons ago, they were they were so close. You know, mm. they lost to they lost to Perth in that final final series two one. You know, they they were so they had a really good year and they've they've still got their sort of nucleus of a really good side and they've yep. got one of the best coaches in the NBL. So mm. they've really got a good chance. I think yeah, New Zealand are always really tough to beat and like you said. Like we said before, they're, they're coming off last year's champion, championship, so they're, or, and they're so hard to beat in New Zealand as well. Definitely. So if they win a lot of their games in New Zealand, win a few on the road, they'll be right up there. Perth is always a, a good side as well. They're always mm. tough to beat. Again, in Perth, and it depends how many games they can win on the road. 
So it's going to be, I think it's going to be between Perth, Adelaide and New Zealand as your top three. So, but yeah, in terms of the, the premiership, I think yeah, it's hard to go past New Zealand again. Yeah. Although there's that part of me that hopes Adelaide will get there. So, but we'll yeah. see. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's certainly going to be great. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. Stay tuned. And you're listening to Game Day Radio, and you know what that means. It's time for some NFL action, and we begin our wrap-up in Buffalo, where the New England Patriots have beaten the Bills 40-32, to with Patriots quarterback Tom Brady throwing for three touchdowns and a massive 466 yards, the second-highest total of his career. In a, another interesting game, which was a little more one-sided, the Pittsburgh Steelers crushed the San Francisco 49ers 43-18, to which included the NFL's first two-point conversion in the first quarter of a game for 17 years. The uh, point-after rule change this offseason seems to be having an effect with field goals now being moved a lot further out. The uh, Steelers also went for two after both of their first touchdowns. And Jared Haynes' impact in the game was fairly minimal with three carries for two yards at running back and one punt return for seven yards. And fellow Aussie Jordan Berry punted for the Steelers three times for an impressive average of 47 yards, including a 62-yard punt as well. And uh, Bevo, Jared Haynes, didn't get too much too much of a run in this one. Yeah, it's, we, we talked last week about whether he'd play in that first game and mm. we were saying about how the coach didn't want the sort of media to get involved yeah. and that sort of thing. So it was great to sort of see him get his first game last week. So, mm. yeah, he's had an interesting start to his career. I suppose, like, you know, he's still very new to the game and mm. and he's played in the pre-season games, but he hasn't sort of had a real sort of crack at the, the proper season, which is which is very mm. different. So. Well, that, that's the thing with the pre-season. A lot of the guys that he was playing against, they're not in the league anymore. They've been cut because, you know, you, the pre-season you've got 90-man rosters and you're down to 53, so it's half the, half the roster that's gone almost. So uh, a lot of the guys he was playing against, they're either not on the field because they're on the bench or they're not on a team anymore. So... Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he steps up to this level of competition. Absolutely. I think, personally, he's got the talent to, mm. you know, it's going to take him a little while. They've just got to be patient with him. But yep. I think he'll he'll definitely be a really good player and he'll mm. make a difference to the 49ers this year. And, yeah, give him yeah. a few games and to get to get used to it. And like you said, to when he's playing against champions rather than sort of lesser ends, mm. it's a little bit different. Oh, also, ends, I should say, it's yeah, it's a bit of a different sort of feel. So... The 49ers brought in another rookie and he was essentially the second running back and pushed Hayne sort of back to third, which is where he was before the Reggie Bush injury. So it's interesting to see how that went, which, you know, I mean, it's fair enough. The The other guy they've brought in, he's younger and he's probably got less less wear and tear on his body because he's just younger than Hayne. But he's also played the game since he was a kid, So whereas Hayne's been playing it for six months. So it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic goes and uh, where Hayne ends up once Reggie Bush is back fit as well. Yeah, absolutely. So can he? do you think Hayne could play in another position? It's tough to say. I mean, he, he's got decent hands. I think he could, you know, they've, they've used him on passing plays and stuff in the preseason. So I think he could line up at wide receiver and maybe take a few sort of screen passes, which for those who don't know are basically a pass where he doesn't run the route he just basically stands still catches it and then goes so it'll be almost like a punt return in that sense of where you know you put him out wide in space where he's 
one on one, one on two, and let him sort of go to work there. So I think it could be used in in that way. But as far as him playing defense that people were talking about when he first moved over to the NFL, I just don't see it because you know he's better with the ball in his hands. Like it's not to say he's a bad tackler or anything, but it's a completely different tackling technique in the NFL, and like it's a it's a very mental game as well. And he's just starting to get the the offensive playbook down and to switch to defense and learn a whole new playbook is uh it would be incredibly challenging for him at this point. Yeah, very. It'll be very interesting to see next few weeks to see what whether they do try, try him out in a different position or whether yeah yeah like we just said Reggie Bush comes back and that mm. sort of thing. So yeah, um, yeah. So the 49ers beat the Vikings last week, the Minnesota Vikings on Monday Night Football, but the Vikings bounced back from that defeat with an efficient offensive display against the Detroit Lions in their opening home game. The Vikings ran out 26-16 to 16 winners with Adrian Peterson clocking up almost 200 total yards and quarterback Teddy Bridgewater throwing for a touchdown and running for another with zero turnovers, which was obviously an improvement on their fairly poor display last week. And Cam Newton threw two touchdown passes and ran for another as the Carolina Panthers won their home opener against the Houston Texans 24-17. While Carson Palmer racked up four touchdown passes, three of them caught by Larry Fitzgerald in the Arizona Cardinals' 48-23 win over a very poor Chicago Bears. Their defense is pretty rubbish, Bevo. Sounds that way, mate. Yeah, it's... they held up pretty well against the Packers last week, but I think that might be the uh, the excitement of opening day and that's kind of worn off. And uh, yeah, they're, they're looking pretty porous at the moment. Yeah, very much so. Uh, Johnny Manziel was impressive as the Cleveland Browns beat the Tennessee Titans 28-14, to throwing two deep touchdown passes to Travis Benjamin, who also returned a punt for a touchdown. Meanwhile, for Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota, it was a more difficult game than what he endured last week when he threw four touchdowns. Uh, he was sacked seven times during this one. And Atlanta quarterback Matt Ryan lived up to his awesome nickname of Matty Ice as he drove the Falcons down the field late in the game to beat the New York Giants 24-20. Both teams' star receivers came to play with Julio Jones, Julio Jones catching 13 passes for 135 yards and Odell Beckham Jr., going for seven catches and 146 yards, including a 67-yard touchdown. Of course, uh, Bevo, you remember Odell Beckham Jr. from that absolutely obscene catch that he made last season over the sideline into the end zone with three fingers, I think it was. Yeah, that guy's an absolute freak. I don't know how he does it. So. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah the perfect description. He's an absolute freak. I, um, do, I do like the name Julio, though. I think I should uh, nickname myself uh, Bevo Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, he's he's another absolute freak as well. He um he's been outstanding in the first two weeks for the Falcons, and they're two and zero. They're looking pretty good. The uh, Dallas Cowboys won twenty to to ten against an anemic Philadelphia Eagles, but they've lost quarterback Tony Romo to injury. Romo's fractured his left collarbone during the game, and he could miss a huge chunk of the season. They're talking somewhere between six and ten weeks, but it could be the whole season if things don't go well. But a, uh, a more definitive timetable for his return is likely to be released tomorrow our time. And finally for our NFL news, the Oakland Raiders won 37-33 to over the Baltimore Ravens with Raiders quarterback Derek Carr through, throwing for over 350 yards and three touchdowns in the win, which was sealed with a 12-yard touchdown pass with just, six, uh, with just 26 seconds remaining. So, uh, yeah, very, very tight finish that one, Bevo. Absolutely, right down to the last minute of that one. So, Yeah, watching that one with keen interest this morning. You are listening to Game Day Radio. Don't go anywhere.
You are listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. And you know what that noise means. It's time for a bit of cricket chat, Bevo. It certainly is, mate. And I think we should be Australian selectors after the last week. <laughs> <laughs> Remember we were talking last week about Ozzy Kawaja? Yeah, certainly the, do. Yes, well, good news, mate. He's actually made it into the, the squad for the Bangladesh, mm. Bangladesh series coming up. So great for him. Yeah, absolutely. And how's this on the weekend? He finished with 201 not out, 276 balls in club cricket for Queensland, uh, in Queensland for a team called Valley. So they declared against Tumbal on the opening day of their two-day fixture at Peter Easton Oval there in Queensland. So, not not bad at all. Yeah, yeah. Great to see. So, so Uzi hit 17 fours and three sixes in his innings. So it's a good start for him going into the Bangladesh series. Yeah, it certainly is. And there's a couple of surprises in the squad. What did you think about the squad? Oh, as as we said last week, I'm all for kind of regenerating the squad because it kind of has to happen. But you know, the only thing I'd like to see is that you know they kind of stick with this squad through the tour of Bangladesh and maybe um, only make one or two changes before the series with New Zealand. So uh, hopefully, there's a bit of consistency there. Yeah, I'm still a bit dark about no South Australians being in there, but <laughs> <laughs> you're always always dominated by New, your New yep. South Wales boys, Andy. Yep. But anyway, we won't go into that. But no, it's good to see a couple of new faces. Mm. So I think I mentioned last week um, that Cameron Bancroft was a hot favourite to come in from Western Australia. So he's into the squad, which yep. is great news. And a bit of a surprise, Tasmanian fast bowler Andrew Fichetti, he's made the squad promising quick from Tasmania he's showed some good form over the last couple of years in the Sheffield Shield so be interested to see how he goes and and like you said as well it's good to see some some new faces and hopefully they can you know stay in the squad for, mm. for this series and also the New Zealand one coming up like yeah so yeah I mean and Fichetti's 30 years old so he's a bit of a late bloomer but um you know you never know I mean you've, you've got to pick your best players I guess I mean you you know he could still get another five, six, seven years out of him. So uh, there's certainly nothing wrong with picking a 30-year-old at this stage. Absolutely. I was a bit surprised, though, not to see James Pattinson in there. Mm. I don't know if he's injured at the moment or whether... But you think he's he's been a proven performer over the years, and you think him and Paddy Cummings, as you know, you're opening two quicks, would be a good a good start there. But yeah. What's your thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say. I mean... Um, Looking at Fichetti's stats in the Sheffield Shield, it seems that he's um, he's not you know a, a great wicket taker, but he's certainly great at controlling the run rate. Like he's got a strike rate of forty eight point one, but an average of twenty four point one, which is pretty good. So it seems that he's um, going to be quite economical, which is probably what Australia need, perhaps more than um, more than proper strike power. I guess you rely on your your other bowlers for that. So. Um, I certainly think that there were times during the Ashes where Australia let the game get away from them with their pace bowling, where they were just giving up too many runs rather than not taking enough wickets. So uh, obviously it'd, it'd be great if he was taking you know a wicket every ball for no runs, but that's just not going to happen. So I think um, you know an economical bowler like that um, it should be a good addition to the squad. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been a couple of surprises as well. Glenn Maxwell, like I think he's a great 2020 and one day cricketer, but at Test level, you know he's still yet to to proven performer so yeah I don't know about that one what's your thoughts on, on Maxi getting a gig in the, in the squad yeah um, I just can't work him out really It's he's a strange sort of player and it's, 
it's really up one week and really down the next. And I think um, it'd be brilliant if he could be consistent, but he just can't find the consistency at the moment. So who knows, maybe a run in the team helps him get that. Do you think he's in danger of, you know, maybe this being close to his last chance or...? I personally think so. Like, I, mm. yeah, he's had a few chances in the past, and don't get me wrong. I think he's a one of the best one day and and T Twenty cricketers. So exciting in in the world. But, yeah. But in terms of Test level, like, I just don't think he has the game and the sort of, you know, that's, I guess that discipline that you need to be a successful Test cricketer. Like, he's yeah. such a, a dasher and a bit like David Warner, I suppose. Mm. Mind you, Warner's proven that he can play all three. Mm three uh, different codes so and I think yeah. I think with Warner it's he's always facing the new ball as well and it and it's a it's a very hit and miss game for Warner literally um where you know if he gets it right that new ball is going to fly to the fence whereas Maxwell hasn't got that um that option in test cricket because he's probably not going to be opening so yeah that's right mm. yeah it'd be interesting interesting to see how he goes against Bangladesh so they're obviously a much improved outfit and it'd be be good to see how some of the young guys go as well. So, mm. and then you've got some, um, you know, New South Wales left arm spinner Stephen O'Keefe. So interesting to see a new spinner in the squad as well. So, yeah, once again another New South Wales player. But... <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. They might as well just mm. might as well just call them New South Wales instead of Australia. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever you say, mate. Whatever you say. <laughs> no, O'Keefe's, O'Keefe's done well in the past mm. in in New South Wales domestic domestic wise, but I don't know if mm. he's done that well in Test cricket. But yeah, you know, he might be on his last chance as well. I think perhaps. Yeah, I mean, he might be. Although, you know, I mean, how many times have we sort of said that about Nathan Lyon? So true, very true. And it, it, I think it might be a case of if um, if Ke- O'Keefe does well and Lyon doesn't, then I think it's not that Lyon will be dropped from the squad, but I think he might be dropped from the the starting lineup for the uh, New Zealand series, potentially. Yeah, very true. I guess yeah, because O'Keefe can bat as well. So mm. it depends on whether they're looking for another. And Lyon round. certainly can't. <laughs> He's not, he's not the worst number 11. He's certainly better than some of the other number 11s like Glenn McGrath and, yeah. you know, Chris Martin, New Zealand. So he's not the yeah, worst. But, yeah, but yeah. I, rem- I remember those couple of Glenn McGrath uh, 50s. Those were brilliant days. <laughs> <laughs> I think he only got one 50, didn't he? I think he might have got two, actually. Somehow. Oh, okay. Somehow. Oh, yeah. It's you talking up your New South Wales yeah, again, Oh, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but... I'm going to have to look this up. <laughs> but no, another one that's... Another interesting omission there as well is David Warner not in the squad. What's your thoughts on that? Is, are they resting him or? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it, it, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to say. There, there hasn't been much in the media about it's about kind of why why it's happened. But um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see uh, who steps in and fills the void and how they go without someone so aggressive there. I mean, you know, we're talking about um, Maxwell being that player. Do you think he might open? No, I don't think so. I think he'll mm. come in at probably like six or seven. So yeah. I noticed they've also brought in Joe Burns, who I'm a big fan of, and it's good to see him have another go. So perhaps perhaps Burns and Bancroft might open for Australia, perhaps, because both, both of those two open for their domestic teams in yeah. Sheffield Shield. So, and I'm sure Marsh... It frustrates me with Sean Marsh because I think he's got so much talent, but again, like he's had so many chances like over the years. I, I would have liked to have given them given, say, like a Travis Head, a Ferguson, or someone else, like even a Peter Hanscom from Victoria, just someone else, another go. Yeah. Ashton Agar, it's a bit of a surprise mm. that he's not in the squad as well because 
you know, he can bat. And, and yeah, that, that great debut on the Ashes a few years ago and then sort of faded off the radar. Exactly. Like, not that he's like a, a top five batsman mm. as such, but yeah, it just frustrates me a little bit that Sean Marsh has been given another go after how many chances he's had. And mm. in England, he didn't do any good. So, yeah. But yeah, I'm not a selector. So. Yeah, I mean, it, it might be another one of those situations where it's sort of last chance. But um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, based off the, the history, you'd expect it's probably not. So who knows? Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, you, you're right. Glenn McGraw got 150. Yes, thank you very much. In tests, he got a, he got a, he got two in first class cricket. Yeah, see, I do. <laughs> I know my cricket, mate. So <laughs> yes, but now it'll be interesting to see whether they go for a similar squad mm. in the upcoming New Zealand series, or whether mm. yeah, they'll change that up as well. What, what's your thoughts? Do you think it'll be a similar squad? Obviously, Water will probably come back in for the New Zealand series, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of weeks between the end of the Bangladesh series and the start of the uh, New Zealand series, so. There's a little bit of time to, to get someone new into the camp or a couple of new guys, but I don't think it's going to be a complete overhaul again. Like, I, I, I don't really see the point of that, as I was saying. I think, you know, if you've got... If Marsh goes out there and fails in sort of all three games against... Um, while, while they're in Bangladesh, two against Bangladesh themselves and then one against a um, Bangladesh board 11 a, a, um, tour match there. So um, if he fails in all of those games, then I think you could see him being dropped and I'd... I'd, you know, I think that should be the case, but um, it'll be interesting to see who changes, who performs. You know, what where they're sort of setting the standards at, and whether there are too many changes. Obviously, you'd expect Warner to come back in, but um, who knows? I mean, hopefully, you've got a you've got a case where all of the batsmen fire and show something while they're in Bang- Bangladesh, and then um, you uh, don't have you know you don't have too many obvious candidates dropping out, and they're really fighting for places. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also another interesting omission as well is no Josh Hazelwood for the Australian Australian squad, so Yeah, yeah, again it's it's another one of those ones where it's it's a little bit head scratching, but I guess you've got to give the new guys a, a go at, at some point. But um yeah, I mean what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I, I thought he was he was okay for Australia against mm. England. It wasn't his best series, but he you know, he was fantastic in the previous summer last year against in, India, so yeah, it does surprise me a little bit. Maybe he's got carrying an injury or something mm. like that. They're resting him perhaps for the upcoming series. But do you um, do you think it's just that you know they're playing in the subcontinent and it's you know they're they're looking at um, a different sort of um, lineup? Yeah, I think so. Perhaps giving some some other guys a chance because mm. it's only you know no disrespect to Bangladesh, but they're not as good as New mm. Zealand. So and they're, they're probably, taking two spinners, which I don't always do. So that's right, exactly. So I'm a little bit surprised as well that Ben Cutting didn't go, get a go as well mm. from Queensland because. He's been really good over the last few seasons. Yeah. And maybe even like, um, what's his name? Ben. Oh, the one that used to play, the one that plays in Tasmania. Um, oh, yeah, I've, I've gone as well. Yeah, yeah. I've his name. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there's definitely some others around the mark as mm. well. Like, yeah, again, Pattinson, surprised that he didn't get yeah. a go. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what's your what's your prediction you think will uh, handle the, the Bangladeshis? I think it could be quite an even series. Mm. I'm going for maybe a one-all. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. What about yourself? Uh, I think it'll be um, two-nil. I don't think it'll be you know innings victories in uh, b- both matches by any stretch, but I think um, Australia should have enough. Yeah. And Steve Smith will just score 500 on his own, so it'll be fine. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> ben Hilfenhaus, that was the one I was thinking. Oh well, yeah, of so. course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Had a mental blank there. Yeah. So. No, as did I. That's uh, <laughs> that happens. Apologies um, to Ben and his family. <laughs> yes, apologies to the Hilfen houses. Yeah. So and then uh, obviously we'll reassess. But I mean, do you think uh, New Zealand are favourites heading into that series with Australia? 
Yeah, that's going to be a very interesting one. We're so so different over here in Australian conditions. Mm. Always very hard to beat. So, but New Zealand are, are bringing in some really good form at the moment. So it's going to be a very good series. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, it's going to be pretty even, I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. could certainly see that one perhaps being split with uh, you know a two all or a you know something like that. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to that one. Looking forward to the uh, couple of tests we've got coming up in Bangladesh. So that those get underway in a couple of weeks with the uh, tour match on the third, and then the first test in Bangladesh starts on the 9th of October. So. Uh, Yeah, looking forward to that one. Absolutely. Stay tuned. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast. And we begin our Champions League wrap-up on Game Day Radio with the action from Wednesday morning, our time. And in Group A, both the heavyweights began their campaigns with victories. Paris Saint-Germain beating Malmo 2-0 and Real Madrid cruising past Shakhtar 4-0 with Cristiano Ronaldo scoring three of those four. In Group B, Manchester United lost 2-1 away at PSV Eindhoven where Luke Shaw had his leg broken in a horrible and unfortunate injury. And uh, yeah, shocking stuff to see and we hope he gets better soon. And elsewhere in Group B, Wolfsburg were 1-0 winners over CSKA Moscow. Group C began with two 2-0 wins as Atletico Madrid won away at Galatasaray and Benfica beat FC Astana in Lisbon. Sevilla surprisingly topped Group D after match day one thanks to a 3-0 home win over Borussia Mönchengladbach, while Manchester City struggles continued in European competition as they surrendered a 2-0 lead at home to lose 2-1 to last season's runners-up Juventus. Group E action got underway on Thursday morning with Barcelona held to a one-all draw by Roma. Luis Suarez put the visitors ahead in the in the 21st minute, but a stunning 60-yard strike from Alessandro Florenzi was enough to give Roma a valuable point. In the other Group E match, Bayer Leverkusen went top with a 4-1 home win over Bate Borisov. Bayern Munich began their European season with a 3-0 away win over group champions Olympiakos in Group F, Thomas Muller scoring two of those goals. Arsenal lost in Croatia against Dinamo Zagreb, going down to 10 men after Olivier Giroud was sent off for a second booking shortly before half-time. Group G began as uh, I think many of us expected with Chelsea easy easy winners against Maccabee Tel Aviv, that one finishing 4-0 while FC Porto picked up a good point on the road with a two-all draw at Dinamo Kiev. And finally, we move to Group H, and Zenit St. Petersburg topped the group after a 3-2 away win over Valencia. Brazilian forward Hulk scored twice for the visitors, and Matt Ryan did not play for the Spaniards as he was ruled out with a minor knee injury. Belgian side Ghent drew one all at home against French club Lyon, with the hosts having two men sent off and the visitors... The visitors missing a very, very late penalty. So uh, match day two of the Champions League will take place next week. So we'll preview all of those games during next Monday's show. It was a wild weekend of Premier League action getting underway on Saturday night with Chelsea posting just their second win of the season. A 2-0 home triumph over London rivals Arsenal. The match was filled with controversy as Diego Costa played the role of villain, as he he does always. And uh, Arsenal had two men sent off. Blues defender Kurt Zuma scored the opening goal early in the second half before Eden Hazard added the second in stoppage time. 
Manchester City's perfect start to the Premier League season was ended with a 2-1 home defeat to West Ham. The Hammers continued their brilliant away form and after notching away wins at Arsenal and Liverpool, continued their good run against the big sides. Victor Moses put the visitors up after six minutes with Diafra Sacco adding a second after half an hour and new signing Kevin De Bruyne pulled one back just after halftime for City but West Ham held on to claim the three points. Other results from Saturday's, Saturday night's games were Swansea and Everton staying goalless and West Brom beating Aston Villa 1-0 in the Midlands derby. Elsewhere, it was Stoke 2, Leicester 2, Bournemouth beat Sunderland 2-0 and Watford won 2-1 over Newcastle at St. James's Park. Those results mean that after six games, Stoke, Sunderland and Newcastle have all yet to post a win. Last night, there were three Premier League games that took place with Tottenham 1-0 winners at home over Crystal Palace thanks to a second-half strike from new, from new signing Song Hyun Min. Another signing was among the goals for Manchester United with Anthony Martial scoring twice as United won 3-2 on the road for Southampton, who have won just one of their opening six matches. Juan Mata grabbed the other goal for the visitors with Graziano Pella scoring twice for the Saints. And Liverpool continued their stuttering start to the season with a one-all draw at home to Norwich. Again, it was a new signing among the goals with Danny Ings scoring his first for the Reds just after halftime, only for Russell Martin to level for Norwich on the hour after a Simon Mignolet error. It's another disappointing result for Liverpool manager Brendan Rodgers, whose job is now under severe pressure. Goal! Goal! Barcelona remain perfect after a 4-1 home win over Levante where Lionel Messi scored twice, set up another pe- set up another goal and missed a penalty. All goals came in the second half as Levante's defensive game plan slowed down the Barca attack in the first half. Real Madrid were far from convincing as they won 1-0 at home to Granada with Karim Benzema grabbing the goal. Atletico, Villarreal and Celta Vigo also continue their strong starts to the season with impressive wins. And we move from Spain to Germany and in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich won 3-0 at newly promoted Darmstadt. Borussia Dortmund matched that result with a 3-0 home win over Bayer Leverkusen. Wolfsburg beat Hertha Berlin 2-0 with Dutch striker Bas Dost scoring twice, while Schalke won 1-0 at Stuttgart. And Borussia Mönchengladbach have yet to pick up a single point this season and their coach has uh, fallen on his sword and quit. Lucien Favre resigned his position following Gladbach's 1-0 loss at FC Köln. And, uh, of course, as mentioned earlier, they uh, lost at uh, at Sevilla in the uh, Champions League. They've been uh, really terrible this season after such a great campaign last time around. And moving to Italy now, and in Serie A, defending champions Juventus secured their first win of the season away at Genoa, 2-0. Roma came from behind twice at home to Sassuolo to draw two all. Both Milan clubs won with AC beating Palermo 3-2 thanks to two Carlos Backer goals. He's uh, been the, he's the new signing there. He's um, spent a lot of money on him and he's been very, very good. While Inter prevailed at Chievo Verona 1-0 with a Mauro Icardi strike to keep their 100% record intact and they remain top of the table. Fiorentina beat Carpi 1-0 and Na- Napoli thumped Lazio 5-0 with Gonzalo Higuain on the score sheet twice. And finally, our European football roundup ends in France where PSG remained top of Ligue 1 but were held to a 1-0 draw away at Stade de Rams. Edison Cavani scoring for the capital side after coming off the bench. Saint-Etienne beat Nantes 2-0 and Lorient won 3-2 away at Monaco. 
And the final result of our roundup was Marseille drawing one all at home with Leon, despite the host being down to 10 men for half of the match and the game being stopped for our Marseille fans throwing bottles at former player Matthew Valbuena, who left to go to Russia and has returned to France with uh, Leon. You're listening to Unicast, and this is Game. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station, and it's time to talk a bit about the Rugby World Cup now, and the 2015 tournament got underway on Saturday morning our time with hosts England beating Fiji 35 points to 11 in the tournament's opening game. The other Pool A match saw Wales thump Uruguay 54 to 9 in Cardiff. And both England and Wales secured bonus points in their wins for scoring four or more tries. And the other Group A participant are the Wallabies, Australia. They get their World Cup campaign underway against Fiji late Wednesday night slash early Thursday morning our time. Bevo, the uh, Wallabies have got some stiff competition in that group with uh, England and Wales uh, with impressive wins. Absolutely. That is a tough tough draw, that one. So, mm. But I guess it's good you know, earlier on to play the really good sides and mm. have that real test rather than sort of playing like your Uruguays and, and your, your lesser ends as yeah. such. So what's your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think um, I, I think Australia should get out of the group. The top two go through and um, obviously even if they don't, it's important to uh, finish top three because uh, top three gets you into the uh, into the next World Cup automatically. So, um, But then again, I can't see them finishing below Fiji or uh, Uruguay, thankfully. So... Um, but we'll see. Uh, you know, the Wallabies have um, traditionally had sort of games where it's it's a tough first half before running away with it against teams the likes of Fiji, the teams who, you know, you don't expect them to beat the Wallabies, you but you expect them to not, you know, get absolutely hammered. And I think that, you know, 35 to 11 was the scoreline between England and Fiji, and I think you could see something fairly similar between Australia and Fiji uh, on Wednesday night. So... Hopefully, um, you know, Australia get off on the right track and they've had a, a few problems in the warm-up games. I mean, they, they beat the USA by about 40-odd, but they were uh, really, really poor in that game and it, it should have been by about 140-odd. <laughs> so uh, hopefully they've gotten that all straightened out in, in the uh, training camp over there. But um, hopefully there's no upset like there was in Pool B, oh, Bevo. Unbelievable. Japan, <laughs> stunning upset of South Africa, winning 34 points to two. They're coached by former Wallabies mentor Eddie Jones and the uh, Japanese side trailed by two at halftime but rallied in the second half to win by the same margin thanks to a last-second try in the 84th minute. It's a uh, great win for the players and fans but also for the profile of rugby in Japan as they will host the 2019 tournament. And uh, Bevo, st- st- astonishing stuff. I just honestly can't believe that. It's got to be one of the biggest upsets in sporting history, I reckon, Japan winning. So Yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> they've only uh, they've only won one other World Cup game in their history, and that was, I think, against Romania for, off the top of my head. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. And obviously, Eddie Jones, former Wallabies coach, is doing great things there. And as Absolutely. I was saying, they're, they're hosting the next edition of the tournament. So, hopefully, the uh, win boosts the uh, profile of rugby over there. Absolutely. I think that's that's fantastic news. I didn't actually realise that Japan were the, the next mm. host, so that's even better. And, you know, obviously if they sort of had a bit of a shocking World Cup, then it doesn't look as good going forward Definitely. when they're going to be the host. But mm. So for them to sort of come, you know, win an upset game against South Africa, one of the, the hot favourites to, yeah. <laughs> to win the World Cup is just amazing. And it'll be interesting to see how South Africa bounce back. And 
Well, I wouldn't want to be their next opponent because I think they'll be very angry. Yeah, yeah, I think I think they will be. Uh, absolutely, I um, it, it's it's interesting how you know rugby in Asia goes. Obviously, in, in Japan, they've got all these fantastic stadiums and venues, which will be um brilliant for the World Cup. Obviously, still from the two thousand two um football World Cup, which they which they co-hosted with uh, South Korea, but um. You know, you've always got the uh, the sevens, the rugby sevens, sort of rotating around Asia and through Southeast Asia, and always getting really good crowds and lots of interest. But it's not really translated to the fifteen-a-side game. So it's good to see that Japan are uh, making waves. Absolutely, I think it's great for the game. So mm. yeah, obviously not so much for the South African the fans yeah. out there. So they wouldn't be too happy. Mm. But, yeah, yeah, of course they lost to Argentina in a bit of an upset in the. Uh, in the rugby championship as well earlier this season, so uh, they're not they're not having the best time of it at the moment. But as you say, they're still going to be one of the uh, you, you'd still back them to at least make the quarterfinals, probably the semifinals because they've got such a good team. But uh, it'll be interesting to see how they bounce back. And uh, as you're saying, they uh, could uh, steamroll a few people now. Yeah, most definitely. I think yeah, the coach will be very very angry as well as the players, mm. no doubt. So I think they'll definitely bounce back the next game and. And yeah, I would not write off South Africa at all. They'll, they'll yeah. be right up there still. So yep. just a bit of a hurdle. And you know, regardless of, of what sporting code it is, a lot there's always upsets and stuff in, yeah. in World Cups. And it's how the teams bounce back. And mm. you know, you see it in the cricket World Cup. Teams like Ireland and other minnow teams surprise other teams. But then, you know, just they'll come, they'll bounce back and still make the final. So in, it's in a, a bit of a surprise. But I think you can't write us half. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, no, I, I don't think you can write them off from winning the tournament at this stage. But then again, they, they, I don't think they'll. They're not certainly amongst the uh, top two that I'm picking at the moment. I think they'll make the final. So, um, but you'd, you'd still expect them to get out of the group. Um, Who is your tip for the? For the grand final to make the grand final, I think New Zealand will get there. Um, I've just got no idea who they're going to play against, though. So I mean, it could, it could be, I think it could be anyone from Group A, as in Australia, Wales, or England. Um, I think that's where it'll come from. I think it'll be one of those three. Obviously, you've got uh, Wales, who while they're not technically the host, they are playing quite a few games in Cardiff in Wales. So uh, they've got a, a lot of support, and obviously, it's not too much of a trip when they are playing games in England for their fans so they've got a lot of support behind them and obviously England have got all of the support behind them so uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how that how those teams deal with uh, not only having great support behind them but perhaps a bit of expectation as well and how they respond to that because you know we've seen uh, teams crumble on home soil with uh, you know tournaments on home soil with uh, the weight of expectation. Absolutely it will be interesting to see I'm sort of hoping for a New Zealand Australia grand final myself mm. so but yeah, time will tell, I guess, in the next few weeks. Yeah, certainly. Well, the uh, other pool, the other pool B game saw Samoa beat the United States twenty-five to sixteen. And then, speaking of New Zealand in Pool C, they are the tournament favourites, of course, and they began with a twenty-six to sixteen win over Argentina, despite a slow start and a number of errors. So, as we were saying about Australia and their warm-up games, they're kind of a a bit error-strewn and a bit sloppy. Of course, this wasn't really a warm-up game. This was a proper competitive one for New Zealand, but it was still a little bit uh, sloppy, and they kind of uh, escaped and turned it on in the second half to uh, uh, overcome the Argentinians. But um, not the best start, but then again, a win's a win. They prefer to win sloppy than uh, lose like uh, South Africa did. Absolutely, yeah. You'd still take the win, and even yeah. though they got off to a tough start, Argentina's, mm. not, a, Argentina's not a bad side. Yeah, so of course. Can, yeah. Of course, and um, Georgia beat Tonga seventeen to ten in the other game in Pool C, and then finally in Pool D, Ireland absolutely uh, just smashed Canada fifty points to seven, grabbing a bonus point in that one, and then France were comfortable winners over fellow European Six Nations team Italy thirty-two points to ten. So uh, 
Bevo, are you saying uh, Australia, in, uh, Australia, New Zealand for your tip for the uh, grand f- for the uh, final? That's what I'm thinking at this stage. It's yeah, it's too hard to say because it's so early. But mm. you can't write off the host see that England or and Wales they'll be right up there. And and also France. Remember they made the grand final as well. Yeah. Back in 2011. So you can't write them off either. So there's yeah, could be a number of teams that will be up there that could be up there. I should say yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Certainly. Well, it's going to be. Um it's going to be a good uh, good tournament. And um, as I was saying before, the Wallabies get their World Cup underway against Fiji late Wednesday night slash Thursday morning our time. So I think it's uh, one fifteen kickoff. So I think that's one that uh, people will want to be staying up for rather than getting up for. Um, Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it'll be, it would be good to see the Wallabies um, getting out on the track after uh, having to uh, sit there and kind of grind their teeth while the other teams in Pool A get out there. So uh, I'm sure they'll be raring to go. Yeah, looking forward to that one. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Game Day Sports Radio on Unicast. You're listening to Game Day Radio on Unicast, the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Uh, it's time to say goodbye to, for today, but always remember that you can listen via the Unicast website or via the completely free Unicast app. If you want to get in touch with feedback and song requests, you can find Unicast on Twitter and Instagram. We are at SAUnicast on both of those platforms. We're also on Facebook. It's facebook.com slash Unicast Radio. If you are get following and get involved there, you'll find programming updates, behind-the-scenes content, plus information on upcoming meetings and events. And if you want to get in touch with me specifically, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Cousin91. That's at C-U-S-S-E-N 91. So, Bevo... It's uh, been fun, as always. Yeah, mate, had an absolute blast. Look, <laughs> looking forward to this week's finals in the in the NRL and the footy. How about you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be um, another great weekend. Of course, um, you know, we've got uh, loads of European football and Premier League action as well, and I'm really looking forward to the footy finals, as I know you are. So it's going to be a, a good weekend. You're going to be... Uh, Parked on parked on the couch this weekend, mate, watching uh, everything. Absolutely, mate. Looking forward to that. And, and the Rugby World Cup, of course, as well. It'll be good to see how the Aussies go against Fiji. Yeah, yeah, of course. So we'll, uh, we'll definitely uh, chat about them next week and, and wrap up the footy finals and everything else that's going on in the world of sport next week. So, uh, yeah, thanks, Bevo, Thank as you, always. Hope, mm. you'll, hope you'll have a great week. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I hope you enjoy yourselves this week, listeners, and enjoy uh, all the sport that is on offer. It is a uh, smorgasbord of sport this weekend, so get around it. Uh, park yourself firmly on the couch and uh, have some fun watching everything that goes on this weekend and we will see you at the same time next week thank you for listening thanks for listening to the game day radio podcast if you're listening on itunes please subscribe and leave a review game day radio is broadcast on monday afternoons from four to six on unicast the University of South Australia's internet radio station. Thanks once again for listening.